Welcome to House of David Ministries. I'm Pastor Eric Michael Teitelman. Join me as we learn about the rich heritage of our Christian faith. In each episode, we explore a unique topic that will deepen your knowledge of Christ and who we are as His people. In this episode, we will explore the mystery of the rapture and see if we can find it hidden in the Old Testament. The Apostle Paul told the church in 1 Corinthians 15, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed, in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. This verse provides the strongest argument for an instantaneous future transformation of the believer from corruptible to imperishable bodies. The word commonly used to describe this mysterious event is rapture, taken from the Latin verb rapio, meaning to catch up or take away. The Latin was translated from the Greek word harpazo, and Koine Greek rapamur, meaning we shall be caught up or taken away. Now I've heard people say that the word itself does not exist in the Bible, so therefore it's not a real event. This is true. The precise word is not in Scripture because the New Testament was written in Greek, not in Latin. But Paul tells us that a sudden repamur or hapazo, catching away of the believers, will take place at the time of the resurrection. And it will happen very suddenly without any prevenient warning or sign at the blowing of the last trumpet. So the question is not whether the rapture is an actual event. It is real. Instead, we should be asking, when is it likely to occur? Well, I say likely because Yeshua declared in Matthew 24, but of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, but my Father only. But Paul gave us some breadcrumbs of information when he said the last trumpet. So therefore, maybe a better question to ask is this. When is the last trumpet blown according to Scripture? To answer this question, we will first study the New Testament, specifically the book of Revelation. We will then compare verses in Revelation to the Old Testament, primarily the book of Daniel. We read in Revelation 11, Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. This verse in Revelation could hint at the timing of the rapture, given there are no other trumpets mentioned after this chapter. This would place the rapture near, but not necessarily at the end of the tribulation. But there is no mention of the resurrection or the rapture in this verse, only the blowing of a trumpet. So therefore, I believe the seventh angel is merely declaring that Christ has taken his rightful possession of the kingdoms of the world. This verse in Revelation is often linked to the festival of trumpets, Yom Teruah, the day of blowing, and also the return of Christ. Affirming this understanding, the rabbis tell us that on the festival of trumpets, we are crowning God as king of all creation. It is the coronation of our Messiah. And a few days later, on the day of the Lord, Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, Yeshua returns to the Mount of Olives to destroy the nations that came against his people, Israel. At that time, he will also establish his eternal kingdom. 
We read in Zechariah 14, it says, Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, for I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem. And in that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. Thus the Lord my God will come, and all the saints with you. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day it shall be, the Lord is one, and his name one. Now, post-tribulation theologians surmise that the resurrection and rapture will occur immediately before the return of Christ, where the church will be instantly caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and then nearly as quickly return with him to Jerusalem. At first glance, this sounds plausible. But other aspects of this timing do not appear to align with Scripture. We read in Luke 21, it says, Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. In Revelation 3, it says, Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. These two verses imply that the true believers in Christ will escape some great hour of trial, a global calamity, likely the tribulation. There is another question we need to ask regarding the trumpets in the book of Revelation. What type of trumpets are they? In the Old Testament, there are two types mentioned in the temple services, a ram's horn called a shofar, and two silver trumpets, chatzotzarot, that were made per the instructions given to Moses. The Hebrew-English translation only uses the word trumpet to describe either a shofar or a silver trumpet. In the New Testament, the Greek word used is salpinx to describe any type of trumpet, a trumpeter or a trumpet sound, even the trumpet of God. This lack of distinction in English and Greek creates confusion as there is an essential distinction in Hebrew between the shofar and the silver trumpets. The shofar was commanded to be blown on the festival of trumpets. It was also used at the commencements of the Sabbath, the beginning of the months, the new moons, and the 50th year of the Jubilee, the Yovel. And lastly, on the Day of Atonement, the holiest day of the year for the Jewish people, the last shofar blast of the year was sounded as the high priest stood silently at the entrance to the Holy of Holies. The sages tell us that on the festival of trumpets, Yom Teruah, when the Lord hears the call of the shofar, he rises from his throne of justice and sits on his throne of mercy and judges the personal accounts of each man and woman. This time of judgment is called the shofar blast of remembrance, Zikaron Teruah, as God is reminded of his covenant with Israel. In addition, the shofar reminds us of the revelation of the Torah and the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. It reminds us of our prophets who warned the people of the judgment to come if we did not repent. It reminds us of the walls of Jericho that fell with the blowing of the shofar and also of Abraham's great test of faith when he prepared to sacrifice his only son Isaac on Mount Moriah. Lastly, the shofar reminds us of the day of the Lord and judgment at the end of the age the ingathering of the Jewish people to their homeland, and the assembling of the Gentiles to Jerusalem on the Feast of Tabernacles and the resurrection of the dead. We read in Zephaniah chapter 1, it says, The great day of the Lord is near, a day of trumpet blowing the shofar, 
and alarm against the fortified cities and against the high towers. In Isaiah 27, we read, So it shall be in that day the great trumpet, the shofar, will be blown. In Isaiah chapter 18, it says, All inhabitants of the world and dwellers on the earth, when he lifts up a banner on the mountains, you see it, and when he blows a trumpet, a shofar, you hear it. At this final season of judgment, the rabbis believe that the shofar will confuse Satan so that he cannot effectively serve as a prosecutor at Israel's divine judgment, and thereby the Jewish people will merit a merciful ruling from the Lord. The Lord declared that in the 50th year, the shofar of the Jubilee would pronounce Israel's freedom from all her debt and return the captives to the land of their inheritance. Leviticus 25, we read, Then you shall cause the trumpet of the Jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month. On the day of atonement, you shall make the trumpet to sound throughout all your land. In addition to the shofar, two silver trumpets were also blown on the Lord's holy convocations. In Psalm 98, we read, With trumpets, ve'chotzotarot, and the sound of a horn, a shofar. But the sages tell us that the silver trumpets were blown abruptly, while the shofar was blown for an extended time. The rabbis explain that the shofar is considered the timely mitzvah, meaning it is the commanded blessing. In Psalm 81 we read, Blow the trumpet, the shofar, at the time of the new moon, at the full moon, on our solemn feast day. But the silver trumpets held their own unique purpose. They were used exclusively to call forth God's army for battle. We read in Numbers chapter 10, When you go to war in your land against the enemy who oppresses you, then you shall sound an alarm with the trumpets, Be'chotzatzarot, and you will be remembered before the Lord your God, and you will be saved from your enemies. And so we can conclude that while the shofar and silver trumpets are ritually connected, they also have distinguishably unique applications. And since the Greek language in the New Testament does not distinguish between the various trumpet types, we're going to need to compare the broader context of its vocabulary with the commanded instructions in the Old Testament. Exploring the Greek, we find that each variation of the word salpinx correlates with a war trumpet that boldly announces God's victory over the vanquishing of his enemies. The shofar, on the other hand, connects us with the law of atonement. And so while the silver trumpets announce God's wrath against his enemies, the shofar declares God's mercy over his judgments. And so with this understanding, we ask, is the trumpet that precedes the resurrection and rapture of the church an announcement of God's wrath or his divine mercy, salvation, and redemption for his people? Well, I would argue it's the latter. And such, we cannot align Paul's statement in 1 Corinthians with the seven trumpet judgments in the book of Revelation. They're not the same. Paul is declaring the redemption of God's people while Revelation, on the other hand, is a battle call to the destruction of God's enemies. These seven trumpet judgments in Revelation are exclusively the wrath of the Lamb. Just as we read in Revelation chapter 6, it says, In the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man, hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, 
fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? And while not distinguished in the Greek language, we can surmise these angels are blowing silver trumpets and not shofars. Additionally, the seventh trumpet in Revelation announces the coronation and arrival of our king, Yeshua, and also the appearing of his great army and the heavenly host, his church, when he returns to Jerusalem on the day of the Lord, the day of atonement. We read in Revelation 11, Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And in chapter 17, we read, These will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those who are with him are called chosen and faithful. And lastly, in chapter 19, we read, Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. In Revelation chapters 1 and 4, the Apostle John hears a loud voice as of a trumpet. Now at first he hears the voice from behind, which is analogous to the voice of God that many prophets of the old heard coming from behind their head. We read in Isaiah chapter 30, Your ears shall hear a word behind you, saying, This is the way, walk in it. But then John hears the same voice again, and this time speaking plainly as one speaks to a friend face to face. In Revelation 4, we read, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. The second encounter is analogous to the descending of the Lord on Mount Sinai, where we read in Exodus 19, And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain. Then it came to pass on the third day, in the morning, that there were thunderings and lightnings, and a thick cloud on the mountain, and the sound of the trumpet, the shofar, was very loud, so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. We also read how the Lord used the analogy of God's people being taken up and carried on eagles' wings. We read in Exodus 19, it says, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. In Deuteronomy 32, it says, As an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young, spreading out its wings, taking them up, carrying them on its wings. There are two other inferences to the rapture in the Old Testament. The first is Enoch. We read in Hebrews 11, it says, By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. The second inference is to Elijah. We read in 2 Kings chapter 2, it says, Then it happened as they continued on and talked, 
that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. In all these examples, we see God's calling or trumpeting his people up to himself. And the redemptive calling of a shofar, not a silver trumpet of war, is used. As was promised to Israel, our time of redemption is the resurrection and the rapture. Just as Paul declared in 1 Thessalonians, so it will be with a shout, the shofar voice of an archangel, not a silver trumpet of war, that will call us home. And so the rapture cannot occur at the end of the tribulation when God declares his final judgment on the inhabitants of the earth. No, our redemption must come before the tribulation. Just as we read in Luke 21, Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads, because your redemption draws near. Now the very last shofar commanded in the Old Testament, after the resurrection and rapture of the church, will announce God's final atonement for the Jewish people and their land. We read in Deuteronomy 32, it says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. For he will avenge the blood of his servants and render vengeance to his adversaries. He will provide atonement for his land and his people. But this last shofar will only be sounded in a jubilee year when God brings back the remnant of his people that survived the tribulation. We read in Leviticus 25, Then you shall cause the trumpet of the jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month. On the Day of Atonement you shall make the trumpet to sound throughout all your land. And in Isaiah 10 we read, For though your people, O Israel, be as the sand of the sea, a remnant of them will return. The destruction decreed shall overflow with righteousness. And so here we see an important distinction between the church and Israel. While the church has been resurrected into eternal life in Christ, those who survive the tribulation, including the remnant of Israel, will continue to marry and to have children in the millennial kingdom. We read in Isaiah 65, For as the days of a tree, so shall be the days of my people, and my elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth children for trouble, for they shall be the descendants of the blessed of the Lord, and their offspring with them. This last shofar blast in the year of Israel's jubilee will declare the final ingathering of the remnant of the Jewish people from all the nations where God scattered them. And we read here in Hosea 11, with emphasis added, that they, Israel, shall walk after the Lord. He will roar like a lion, and when he roars, his shofar of jubilee, then his son shall come trembling from the west. This last shofar trump of God's voice is not declaring the resurrection and the rapture. No, it is declaring the final redemption of the Jewish people that survived the great tribulation. We read in Jeremiah 23, Therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. They shall no longer say, As the Lord lives, who brought up the children of Israel from the land of Egypt, but as the Lord lives, who brought up and led the descendants of the house of Israel from the north country and from all the countries where I had driven them, and they shall dwell in their own land. There is much ambiguity about the timing of the resurrection and rapture of the church. Will it occur before, during, or near the end of the tribulation? Well, the Lord may have given us some further clues in the Old Testament. 
In the book of Daniel, chapter 7, we read about four beasts representing four kingdoms that will rule over the nation of Israel. The first beast was described as a lion, the second a bear, the third a leopard, and the fourth beast had ten horns. Now, traditional Jewish and Christian scholars agree these four beasts represent four kingdoms and in this order, the Babylonian, the Medo-Persian, the Greek, and lastly, the Roman Empire. In Daniel's vision, he then sees a small horn arise, a fifth kingdom that comes up from among the ten horns of the fourth beast. We read in Daniel 7, verse 8, I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little one, coming up among them, before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. And there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking pompous words. This little horn most likely represents the Antichrist, as he is described speaking pompous and blasphemous words against God. Now suddenly Daniel's vision changes from an earthly realm to a heavenly one. We read in verses 9 and 10, I watched till thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire, and a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him, ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. Now at first, Daniel sees a heavenly courtroom where thrones are set up, but they are empty. I believe these thrones are reserved for the church until the time of the resurrection and rapture. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more the things that pertain to this life? And Yeshua said in Revelation 3, To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my Father on his throne. Once again, I believe these thrones are reserved for the redeemed of men, not the angels. Daniel's vision suddenly changes back to an earthly realm in verses 11 and 12. It says, I watched then because of the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking. I watched till the beast was slain and its body destroyed and given to the burning flame. As for the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. Here we read that the Antichrist is killed. And we know from other verses in Daniel this will occur sometime before the end of the Great Tribulation, which are the last three and one-half years of the Tribulation, the time of Jacob's sorrow. Daniel's vision ends with a view of the heavenly realm. In verses 13 and 14 we read, I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. This part of Daniel's vision is consistent with the Apostle John's vision in Revelation, where it says in chapter 19, Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. 
and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. The order of Daniel's vision is significant as it gives us a window into the seven-year tribulation. In the beginning, we see the Antichrist rising to power. Paul said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Yeshua declared in Matthew 24, For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and given in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark. Now here the ark implies a place of divine protection, seemingly in the heavenly realm. Just as we read in Revelation 11, it says, Then the temple of God was opened in heavens, and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple. As we read earlier in Revelation chapter 4, John is taken up into the heavenly realm, which is the ark of his covenant. It says, Come up here, and I will show you the things which must take place after this. And so therefore, everything we read in the book of Revelation, after chapter 3, until the return of Christ in chapter 19, is written from a heavenly perspective. And circling back to Daniel's vision, when the lawless one is revealed, we read that the heavenly courts are seated. The seating of this court suggests that the resurrection and rapture will occur around this time, which should be near the beginning of the seven-year tribulation. But then later, towards the end of the tribulation, the Antichrist is destroyed. And shortly after his destruction, Christ returns to the earth with power and great glory to destroy the kingdoms of the earth that came against Jerusalem. This order is consistent with Paul's writings, as he declared with emphasis added, and then the lawless one will be revealed, beginning of the tribulation, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming, end of the tribulation. While it is impossible to know with certainty the day or hour of our resurrection and rapture, we the church should be aware of its season. And that's why Yeshua instructed us to watch continually, looking up and awaiting the last trumpet call, the shofar of God, that will raise the dead in Christ. Then we who are alive will be caught up, harpazo, up to meet the Lord in the air, and forever be with Him. This trumpet call, this shofar of God, will announce the tribulation and the coming great and terrible day of the Lord. As we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet, the shofar of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after our redemption, God's judgments will be poured out on the earth, beginning with the six seal judgments, followed by seven silver trumpets of war, and ending with seven bowls of the accumulated prayers of God's people. Revelation 6 would read, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth. 
The precise timing of the rapture will always remain a mystery, just as we read in Matthew 24, but of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. So watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. And still we are called to watch with zeal for the imminent return of our Lord. And I continue to believe the resurrection and rapture will occur near the beginning of the seven-year tribulation, likely before the Antichrist is even revealed. Regardless of the timing, one thing remains clear. The trumpet of God's voice, his shofar, is not the same as the seventh silver trumpet of warfare blown by the angel in the book of Revelation. And because ours is not a call to condemnation, the shofar of God's voice is our final call to redemption and eternal life in Christ Jesus. Amen. If you have enjoyed this teaching from House of David Ministries, make sure you subscribe to our channel and don't forget to visit our website where you can sign up for our monthly newsletter. We pray the Lord richly bless you and we look forward to having you join us again for our next episode.